Well, well, well. It's been a while there, Nobby, hadn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there was lots of chats. But we, we, we had lots of chats. Lots of chats over points and various things, but we never actually sat down and had, a, had a, like a proper heart-to-heart chat as you would at these things. Not so much, no. But um, for quite a while, um, by the way, uh, my name is Mark Noble. And my name is Bob Flavin. I have to remember to actually introduce myself in these things. Yeah, my name is Bob Flavin. Both motoring journalists, uh, both with uh, considerably uh, sized YouTube channels and various outlets as well to do with cars. We review cars all the time. Mm. Actually, if you join our YouTube channels together, we have over 100,000 subscribers. That's a mental number, isn't it? Isn't it for two two guys? I know, yeah, two people who, who the, the the general consensus of the audience that I get come on and go. This lad knows nothing about cars. <laughs> <laughs> I love that comment. It comes up every once in a while. Well, you see, cars are no different. Every day in life is a school day, and if it isn't, you're you're doing something wrong. So, I mean, there's always learning in absolutely everything. I heard a great conversation recently about somebody, uh, and the the plan was they were away as a group of people all in the same industry, but different jobs within the industry. And the challenge was over dinner to teach everyone else one thing that no one else probably knows. Right. And, you know, it, it could be anything. Did you know you can make a swan out of a tea towel in a hotel and if you do it this way or wh- whatever it is. But the point is, y- y- it's there's always something to learn every day from someone else's life experience or what they're doing or whatever it is. So it's true, and and cars yeah. are such a broad church of a thing. Like there's fashion, there's mechanical bits, there's the styling of them, there's the actual physical wet bits inside the car. It's such a thing, you can. It's easy to say somebody doesn't know anything about cars when you specialize in mechanical stuff, and you're talking to someone who specializes in car design. Like I've spoken to car designers who couldn't tell you one end of a suspension arm from another. So <laughs> it's quite normal, you know. Yeah, because it's not their field, but you know, all the bits come together to make. That thing looking at you sitting on four wheels. Yep. Um, so I suppose, why are we doing this Bob? Uh, this Bobcast? Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, we need a name for it as well. So if anyone wants to give us a name, please write in, leave a message on our YouTube channel or something, wherever you can find us. We're on all of the normal stuff. But the one reason I want to do it is because we're both in the same field and we both have the same sort of taste for cars. And I think people really want something to pull them out of daily life that they don't have to watch necessarily. They can just listen to this and hear two people talking about stuff and more. We're going to have guests as well. Uh, hear some people talking about cars and about stuff. It's sort of a, a nice place to hang out and just spend some time with us. And I suppose not everybody wants to listen to Vogue Williams and Joanne McNally, so, you know. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> We've got a We've got to offer them something else. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's it's a, 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 a tends to be a male-dominated environment, but it certainly has changed recently. And uh, the journalism side hasn't, though. I think that's a, that's a big thing at the moment. The journalists are still predominantly males. Although there has been a good few new females in, um, it's been pretty good over the last while. Some new ones have started into it, but I don't think the interest is there as much as it would be among men. Um, no, there is something to miss there, and and it's that's on an international level. Like we would be lucky enough to be on many different press trips during the year, and you'd be in various countries, and it's an industry wide ish thing. And um, I, I, it's not. I don't even know if that the interest is in there. It's just like a lot of industries, women have to, or little girls nearly have to see other women doing mm. jobs uh, that traditionally have been male jobs. You know, take pilots for example. 
you know, women generally don't see other women uh, at the top of a plane. So until they do, then they don't really aspire to do that job one day. Um, could be guards, could be, you know, firefighters. It's And I think motoring journalism and cars in, in general, it's no yeah, different. Yeah, I was the same. I didn't know that this motor journalism could be a job when I was watching Top Gear in my 20s. You know, when I was watching Jeremy Clarkson, James May and Hammond and all that, doing the stuff, I didn't realise that that could actually be a job you could do. So I didn't I didn't know either, even though there was three lads running around the place there with cars, you know. Um, so the idea of this podcast is just to cover our weekly car connections, which is generally driving one or two or maybe even three vehicles a week, depends how busy you are. Um, bit of car news that might affect the Irish industry or the Irish um, market or or beyond, obviously, because um, I'm sure your channel is the same, Bob. There's, there's a lot of interest from UK yeah. on our YouTube Yeah, there's channel. a considerable audience of UK people checking in. I don't know if they like the Irish accent or they're looking for just something different. You know, I think I think the mood and attitude on YouTube uh, does pay dividends over time. You know, it's very easy to stand there and be the perfect BBC presenter, for instance. You know, this is the latest version of whatever card is. Um, I think there's a lot of that already on YouTube because that's, that's copied directly from television. But I think YouTube is a place where you can just be who you are and decide what your audience wants to see. And I think that's why the Irish channels tend to get a little bit of UK in us as well. Another English-speaking country too much. Yeah, and there's no point trying to be Top Gear or emulate it because, you know, that's what mm. they do. So, um, as you say, you know, YouTube is different. It doesn't, ha- I mean, those production values can be lovely, but um, I don't know if uh, if people, uh, you know, need to see it or want it. You know, if I, my experience anyway, you put up a video of a Ferrari on YouTube and it gets like <laughs> 800 views because people are not expecting to see Mark Noble driving yep. a Ferrari. That's the same, the same yeah. for all the, all the kind of higher brands. I think people, people look at Ferrari video with music going around the track and there's actually no opinion at all in it. They'll watch that sort of stuff for 15 or 20 seconds. But to sit there and watch 10 minutes of a guy explain about a car that you can't afford anyway, because the predominant audience probably can't afford a Ferrari, the most of the audience. Exactly. So let's keep it real and drive uh, Dacias. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with a good old Dacia, no? Skoda's. Uh, two two of my favourite brands exactly. at the moment, Dacia and Skoda, in fairness, they're at least doing something different from the rest of everybody else who's just copy and pasting their stuff all over the place. So let's start uh, this week's podcast. Is this going to be a weekly podcast? I would say we go weekly. I hope, and what I'm hoping is that we're going to gather together a big audience that will cover all kinds of topics. Like I think there's some bits of mental health that is in there too, regarding not just cars, but the interests, your interests outside of daily work life. You may not work in a garage or work in a, in a car field at all, but you like them anyway. So you, you can tune in for that sort of stuff too, you know? That's that's a good good idea, actually. Always have uh, outside interests, whatever they are. Um, so let's start the podcast with uh, your news. When I last saw you, it was Monday, <laughs> and your your YouTube life was kind of in a different place. And thankfully, we're recording this on a Friday, and, well, quite a difference a week makes. Bloody right, it does. Um, so my daughter was getting scoliosis, uh, uh, surgery in hospital uh, and on the day of her discharge so we'd been through a week of chaos up 2,000 kilometres up and down to the hospital back and forth visiting and you know intensive care and all kinds of things going on and in the middle of that week an email came in a marketing email like any other marketing email you would see come into your inbox I nearly ignored it first time out no links no nothing I replied to it it came back with some media attachments 
saying they're going to pay me $1,300 for a 60-second ad placement in the video from Blackmagic Design. No, this is not to do with Blackmagic Design. They're, they're impersonating the company. Uh, the links downloaded from Dropbox, and I stupidly opened one of them, downloaded the links. There was a video file in it, and there was a contract file. I opened the contract file. Nothing happened. I thought no more about it. I actually emailed back on, I can't open the contract file. The PDF. Can you send us a PDF? It doesn't, it doesn't seem to want to open. And I went off of the hospital <laughs> to collect my daughter. Uh, and then in the process of sitting there waiting to be discharged, an email came in saying my password had been changed and a security key had been added and something else had been done. And then I couldn't log in. It was gone. It just was closed. It was like turning up to your shop and, and the shop is open and is running, but there's it's not you just running it. Somebody yep. else inside. Um, how's your daughter doing, by the way? Everyone's good recovery, really good recovery. Very successful surgery. Um, we weren't expecting such a perfect outcome from it. Actually, it was like the perfect. Even the doctor said it's prefer a perfect outcome from that kind of surgery. So it's been very good. Still a long road of recovery. It takes about four or five weeks, up to six months to get back on feet and make sure everything's running properly. But essentially now. She's learned to rewalk because obviously hips are out of place when there's scoliosis involved. So now that's all flattened and normal and as normal as it can be with a sort of scaffolding and a hole in the spine in one position. So hopefully for the next six months yeah. now we're going to be watching everything. But it seems to be very, very good at the moment. So are you technically cool again in her life because she needs you a bit more? <laughs> it was actually like that. Yeah, it's funny when you see your when you see your <laughs> child in intensive care and... Uh, and, you know, she's awake. Uh, it's not like she's lying there all hooked up to machines. There is machines, but it's not like that kind of thing. Um, she's awake and talking to you, but there's nothing you can do. You can't do anything here. There's painkillers involved. She's seeing snakes on the roof and <laughs> you know, it's all kinds of things going on. And there's nothing you can do wow. about it. But it does, it brings you uh, to a point of being very close to someone again. You know, you take it for granted. Kids just grow Good. up, but then suddenly they need you and you need them. You know, you see them in a different way as well. So yep. it's very good, actually. It's very, it's, it was a brilliant surgery. I highly recommend it. We Google searched absolutely everything about doing the surgery or not doing the surgery. Some people like to do everything we found said the surgery was incredibly successful. So uh, we're very happy. But it's never classed as an emergency thing. Good. Well, it's good to hear that she's, um, yeah. she's on the mend. Um so to go back to that day then, so normally if these type of things happen, even if it's you changing your password or you sign them with a different uh, device, I'm sure people are familiar with this, whether it's your Gmail mm -hmm. account or whatever, you'll get a, th a thing that says, someone has signed in at your device, is this you? Uh, and and if not, please change your password. But that stage had already been done That has you. gone by, yeah. So YouTube is a funny sort of platform. So if you go to it on a desktop browser, you're automatically logged in. So it, 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 it you are already there. You don't need to put in a password or anything else. You can go into your channel dashboard. Any any of the YouTubers out there listening to this will know what channel dashboard is. So when you, when you click it, you can open your channel dashboard. You can see all the details, but you didn't, you weren't asked for a password to see that, okay? There is also a point of YouTube that you can add a security key to your system without being asked for your old password, without being asked for your original password. And the security key replaces your password. So it just obliterates your password, it's gone. And a security key is a physical thing. It's a near-field communications device you to put to the back of your phone or plug into your laptop. So you can buy these things online. And um, what the problem with YouTube was it didn't ask for the password. So the, the hacker impersonated my account directly as if it was me logged in from my IP address. Just for a moment. 
enough to get the security key turned on, which means that the password disappeared and I was asked no further questions. So two-factor authentication is useless on YouTube. Which is one of the first things people will say, oh, did yep. you have two-factor on? Uh, and this this is not really specific to, to YouTube. Obviously, YouTube is is a very high-profile place for these hackers to, to operate in, but it, it could happen in any sort of password encryption mm. situation, whether it's, you know, potentially, I suppose, bank details, you know. So when you, at some point later that day, went into your channel and you attempted to see... Like, did you have an inkling straight away something was wrong? You said you went off to the hospital. You probably forgot No, I was sitting in the hospital waiting for discharge. We're sitting there all waiting around. We had everything packed and ready to go. But we're waiting for an anaesthetist to come along and sign off on the home drug stuff. So you have to go to a chemist and pick up all the drugs. But a fella has to sign about that and say, it's all okay. And he was in theatre. So we were in limbo, not quite in or out. And I was just looking at my phone and three emails came in one after the other saying a security key's been added, your password's been changed, and you've been removed from the account as the, as the authorized person. So your phone number's also been removed from it. Jeez. So it all came in. In the space of a few seconds, those three emails appeared one after the other. Like I was sitting looking at the email. So I immediately clicked check activity. You know, you get one of those emails where it says check activity. I immediately yep. clicked that, but I was already logged out. That was That had already happened. So the system, the two-factor authentication system, all that thing just didn't play a role or even come into being at all for me on that day. Uh, and I immediately went to Twitter, immediately DM'd YouTube creator support, and they said they were going to get someone onto me. But that took hours. I thought it was just a matter of going, you know, my channel has just been hacked. Can you, and it just turn it off. But it wasn't. It stayed streaming the way it was uh, with Mr. Elon Musk on screen. <laughs> So, and Elon uh, definitely had nothing to do no. with this, but um, you go onto your channel and 10 years worth plus of videos are gone. Yeah, gone. They made everything private, uh, but I, I didn't see, pri- you can't see anything, you just see the exterior of the channel. So they just started live streaming some Tesla Bitcoin thing that was on the screen and they had links to a bit to buy Bitcoin, uh, but all of the videos were gone. And if you searched Bob Flavin, which is my channel would come up normally at the very top. I was getting everyone else's channel mm. I'd ever appeared on. That's all. It was nothing. They just destroyed every piece of SEO that attached to my channel to say it was that to do with me. And it was just gone. It was terrifying. It was, for a moment, it was terrifying because, not even for a moment, for a couple of days, because that's the wages. That channel, through the ad revenue, yep. not through creator support or and the people giving money, just ad revenue, that is the wages that comes in every month that I rely on, that you, you think that's the minimum I'm going to get this month. The max will be extra bits that I do around the edge of that. But at least that minimum was there. And suddenly it was gone and we're home with a child from hospital and we have bills to pay all over the place. <laughs> you know, it was just a freak out week. A very stressful time. Um I can only imagine. So it comes back to last Monday. So how many days did this go on that for? That started. Four or five, four, was it? It was seven days total. So over the weekend as well, it ended up being seven days. I got the channel back, I think, the following Tuesday. Um, but there's a, like a Sunday right. where we only got an email every 24 hours after a while. You know, as the channel support, it was, there was an email coming every few minutes at one point, but then suddenly it was down to every 24 hours. Uh, and it was coming like a half past five in the morning. So obviously support was someone in some other country at that time. So um, when it came back, all the videos were still yeah. there. 
they hadn't deleted the videos at least so but the the status of the videos was everything was unlisted um and so all the videos are still there but if you bulk list them all again there was videos that i didn't actually want live there was videos that i'd put up and i'd, I'd taken down I, i'm too old i didn't like to look at that video anymore or whatever but i had to make yeah. all them live and take them back offline again one at a time there's nearly a thousand videos there oh my god so it was a, it was a rigmarole yeah, to get to get the channel back up and running um scary situation and I, I don't think it's been overly dramatic to say it's it's kind of the equivalent of you know your life's work if if that's a particular thing that you've done for a huge chunk mm. of your life and and somebody has come along and just disabled and it, plus i was using youtube as the backup youtube is like where you put your videos and you, i don't keep copies of yeah. those videos somewhere else to say just in case you think it's youtube what's going to happen to youtube like it's such a big platform there's no way they're going to and it, you know if they were going to take it all down you did warn you to download all the videos but i never did that and even if you download a video off youtube yourself if you go into your creator uh dashboard and you download a video from there it's actually very small um because it's compressed to bits like it's no longer 4k yeah. so even if you want to keep a backup the backups are actually quite crappy looking you know they're not great visually You'd need a lot of hard drives to keep everything. Yeah, because most of the videos we put out now, 15 gigabytes when I'm uploading them, 15 to 20 gigabytes each video. So, you know, at least four videos a month. So you're talking about 100 gigabytes gone there very quickly. So if you get any more emails uh, saying, hey, Mr. Bob, we'd like to advertise on your channel, you're going to give them the swear straight <laughs> yeah, to spam, yeah. yeah? Well, look, I'll, if I can, you can open them on a Mac. That wouldn't happen on a Mac. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I actually opened it on a PC like an idiot uh, known full well that they were going to take advantage. Not, I didn't know at the time, but I, I know PCs are very easy to take advantage of compared to a Mac. Um, Mac don't allow that kind of thing to run under under device. So, but they were stealing it from Chrome. Uh, the login key comes out of Chrome, which is a Google product, uh, and that's where the key mm. actually came from. So, if, if, I, if I'd opened on Safari, nothing would have happened. I wouldn't have lost it. I just had to download Chrome on my MacBook this morning to use this uh, software using for this me podcast. Too, yeah. So uh, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous oh, yeah. now. <laughs> okay, uh, so moving on uh, in our podcast, and uh, thank you for sticking with us this far. We do appreciate it. This is this is brand new, and we, we do want feedback. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you like more car news, you like uh, just more general waffle of, you know, beer and things we found in Lidl this week, <laughs> that's also welcome. That's a good idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want. Um Something I did, and I'm still tired from it, was yesterday I attempted to drive from Dublin to Cork and back to Dublin in one day in an electric vehicle. Before you say any more, did you ever do that in a diesel vehicle? Like, have you attempted this thing in a ah, normal yeah. car like that's not battery powered? Right. Yeah. And, and and I can't remember, but if I did have to stop for fuel, uh, it would have been once. Yeah, I know. Because like, when you start off with a diesel, like, before you get into the electric bay, the diesel part, if you were to say a diesel car, if you had a good, efficient Volkswagen, Audi, engined car, uh, you could probably, like a two-liter diesel, you could probably drive to and from Cork four times, maybe, 1,200 kilometers. You could probably do it, you know, easily enough without really worrying about it too much, if you kept your speed down, of course. From my house to where I needed to go in Cork was 244 kilometers. And back again is less than 500 kilometers. And I was driving a Ford Mustang Mackie, which ha- it's a long range version. So on paper, it says 610 kilometers. Yeah, it's a big, range. big battery. 102 kilowatt hour battery or is it? 
Uh, there's a little bit under, but it's 91 right. usable. So uh, what that effectively means is there's a battery is 98, for example, in this case, 98 kilowatt hours, but the actual usable amount, because it, it needs extra battery to do other bits in the car, but the bit you can use for driving is 91 kilowatt right. hours. So you should... That that should still... Yeah, you should get somewhere around 500 kilometers. still be enough. There, like, without stretching it too hard. Now, if you're not that familiar with EVs, and that's okay, um, that's kind of what we're here for. Um, there's a lot of variables with EVs. So temperature yesterday was at best seven degrees. You're driving on a motorway at, well, the motorway was 120, but you're better off driving at 110 mm. kilometers an hour in an EV because it preserves the range. So temperature working against, against us, but I did try my best to keep the, just use the cruise control, 110 all the way. Wasn't in a rush, left in plenty of time. So, um, it was so I left my house with four hundred kilometers. So the car was fully charged at four hundred. So the guessometer was based on someone so else's I'll, driving, possibly, or it'll say, "Oh, but it's not. It's not summertime, and you know, did you precondition the?" Button? But that is that's I left the house hundred kilometers short of what Ford promised, though. Like you, you half your yeah. more than half your journey down is already lost before you've left home. <laughs> if you go by the the range meter thing. Well, yeah, a third, a third, mm. down a third before you've even left, before you push the start button. Um, so I got down to Cork uh, with about 20, uh, no, no, it was about 40, 48% battery remaining. So I'd use 52% of 600 kilometers. Let's, you know, let's stick to the facts right. that they offer um, by driving 244 kilometers. Right. <laughs> okay. Doesn't end up very good. This does it. <laughs> so it's not a, a ringing in about <laughs> electric cars. <laughs> I had a friend of mine with me for the journey, and he's never been in an EV, never experienced the charging thing. So we actually got to our destination, and I realised, oh, we're actually a little bit early. Uh, but I, and I could see there was a Circle K with a 150 kilowatt charger, which is really fast mm. by ESB networks speeds, uh, five minutes away. So I said, look, we'll nip down here. We'll plug in for 20 minutes. We'll get some nice charge and then we'll be able to go straight to Kinsale after our meeting. We can go for lunch. We won't be charging afterwards because we'll both be starving. So we did that. So 20 minute charge. There was an EV6 using this 150 kilowatt charger at the same time. As soon as the owner pulled away after about only two minutes, my charge speed massively increased. So as fast as these chargers are, if there's someone else using the other side of it, it it pretty much halves. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah the it's load, load sharing is what the, I think they call it. But yeah, it can get very... I've been to Junction 14 where I think there's eight or nine chargers and they all promise 150 kilowatts until you actually get there and you get like 60 because you're sharing out the load among the other eight. And actually, I was at Junction 14 uh, on the way home. More about that later. And there's about, I think there's eight charges. There's four units in total. You could charge on each side. How come a Nissan Leaf had to come along and plug into my charger? There was <laughs> there was four other Chatamo ports, but he comes along and halves my It's output. always Nissan's. It's always Nissan Leafs. Everywhere you go, it's like, oh no, another Nissan Leaf. He could have had... <laughs> could have had any other charger and it's half nine at night at this stage and I really want to get home. I really, like one of my kids is still up because he won't go to bed till I'm home and I'm going, hey, Leaf. Like, so anyway, back, let's, back let's to, jump back backwards, jump yeah. ahead. So we go off, we get our 20 minutes, pull out, everything's great, fine. Go to our meeting, that finishes at half three and I say, right, let's go to Kinsale for lunch. I know this lovely place. So we go to Fishy Fishy Good in Kinsale. Good spot, I've been By there, the way, good spot, yeah, beautiful. Oh, so good. 
Now, it was dead because it's March. I don't know if you get a table in July as easily, but we did. Um, anyway, so we jump into the car and uh, Greg, my pal, thinks, OK, that was lovely. Thanks very much. We're going to head for Dublin now. And I said, uh, no, we uh, we have to we have to charge. And he said, but we just charged before we went to our meeting. I said, yeah, that was just a, a kind of a top up charge just to get us to Kinsale. So he's gone. Right, okay. I thought you said this car could do 600 kilometers. I said, yeah, this is yeah. That's where no, that debate happens, isn't it? Yeah. So we go back to, we go back to this charger. This, there's two 5 Series drivers, 09, doing donuts in the car park. I was like, what the hell is going on? Smell of burning clutch everywhere. So we go back to the same charger. There's uh, something else charging. But again, uh, I think it's another EV6, actually. Uh, they like them in Cork. Uh, he's pulling out as I'm pulling in. Great timing. Amazing. Uh, plug in again. Same thing. It kicks off at 136 kilowatts straight away. And then within minutes, it drops down to mm. 85. State of, state of charge was late 20% as far as I know. God, that's scary. Anyway, we, we sit there for about 35, 40 minutes because those charges make all the difference. You don't even need to use the full 45. And I leave Cork with over 80%, 300 kilometers. Sounds good. This sounds promising, but I know Brand. you're stopping a junction 14. So... <laughs> I said, I said to Greg, look, I'm going to treat ourselves. I'm going to drive at 120 kilometers in the motorway to get home because I know I've got the range and, you know, it's getting late. It's been a long day. So that's grand. So cruise control's on, 120 for the most of the motorway. I get as far as the border with Kildare and there's 80 kilometers left. Oh, no. <laughs> so and now you have that moment. There's a moment uh, like here, I, anyone who hasn't experienced EV... There's a moment where you could probably make it on what you got left. You know, in your head, you think, I can probably do this. If I just slow down a bit, you know, close up on the windows, turn off the heater, I could probably still make it. But that debate happens, your head going, but there's a charger nearby. I may need to stop at this charger. Well, the thing was, I was like, I need to do the school run in the morning. So I could probably get home at just about 80 kilometers, but then I'll be screwed in the morning. And, and I do have a charger at home. Uh, but I, the prices are so expensive now. When you have a charge card in the car, it's just too tempting to use course, the charge yeah, card. Of course it is. So I'm not charging at home anymore unless I'm really, really stuck. And the night before, I wanted to make sure I had 100% leaving for Cork, so I did charge at home. Uh, anyway, pull into Junction 14. Again, no, one, no one's there charging. Absolutely brilliant. The services inside are brilliant. Toilets were okay, but it was the end of the day, so maybe, you know, they were going to start cleaning up. But... Um, yeah, plugged in there into one of their ultra fast charges. I've never even seen these ones before. <laughs> yeah, these are yeah, different ones. Are, yeah. So again, I plug it in and whack, it's doing 136 kilometers. And then out of nowhere, it's doing 30 kilometers. Oh. So, and all, by the way, all this will be documented in a YouTube video coming soon to my channel. Uh, so I unplugged that and I moved the car two spaces across and I pull into the bigger unit, 150 kilowatt uh, charger. As far as I know, the ultras are the same speed, yeah. you know, because it, initially it did do quite a... F so, plug in there, that's doing a decent enough speed. Again, I think it was 85. Like, the, And it's, it's not the charger's fault, it's not the car's fault, I suppose. It's it's how much space is in the battery depends on how fast it yeah. will charge and what temperature is the battery and blah, blah, blah. Temperature blah, blah, the battery blah, blah, is a big blah. one, yeah. That's the um, so, I go in for a Jimmy Riddle, I come out, Mr. Leaf is plugged into <laughs> the same charge as me despite there being at least four others. And I go, oh, lonely. And by the way, you're buying, you're buying rubbish while you're there because you're charging and you're buying coffee and you're spending money on jellies and 
wasabi peanuts and like you're going I wouldn't even eat no, this stuff normally you wouldn't even see it normally but you're standing so, so long in the shop looking around you feel you have to buy something <laughs> <laughs> so I eventually get home at half ten and I calculated that I spent roughly one hour 15 minutes yesterday charging Ooh, that's the difference between getting home at half ten and getting home at nine o'clock Pretty much. If I was driving a fossil fuel car, there's, there is zero argument on this. I would have been home an hour and a half earlier. Whoa. It's a lot. That's a, there's, a, there's a whole segment in, in how much time. I mean, the whole world is sped up, but now we want to slow it down in, into the charging thing. And I know it's an extraordinary circumstance. You're, you're driving on a bit of cork and back. It's probably not something you do regularly. But if you talk to nope. sales reps or anything that are currently out driving around in a Passat diesel, do, and they're being changed over to electric cars, um, and they have to cross the country back and forward, I guarantee their day has got substantially longer now because they're stopping at charge points to try and charge their cars up the whole time. And they're always fighting a queue. And like you say, it's the, it's the sustained power. So if you, you could plug in and get 200 kilowatt charger, but it might only last for five minutes. You know, it's, it's not 200 yeah. kilowatts while you're there the whole time. It, it drops off as the charging curve can be severe on some of the cars. And on the way back, uh, just we just pulled in for coffee. There was a McDonald's in Formoy. So they, I, I pull in and I say, oh, what's this? This is a big red uh, Circle K charger. Oh, I have to have a go at this, even though I don't need charge. And I walk up, and the guns, the connectors, are on the ground, covered in bullet, bubble wrap, waiting for some muppet to drive <laughs> I over. I saw them. your picture on Instagram. I yeah. put, I put it up on Twitter. The guy who installed the charger replies to me on Twitter and says, "How you know, be? I actually installed that charger." And I said, "Pity you didn't turn it on or connect it up before you left." Joking, and he said, "It's actually been ready to go for the last month. I don't know what circle pay." Oh doing. no! So <laughs> that three hundred kilowatt charger, which is brilliant still no roof over by the way still no shelter but at least there's lighting um is ready to go there's no color maybe this is the reason there's no color markings outside the spot yet there's no green markings or anything so there was loads of diesel mondeos and things parked outside the charger um but why is that sitting there a month circle k what are you doing there's that moment you know when you look when you pull up to petrol station and you're you're getting your charge and you can see the pumps from your charge point and you see the volume mm. of people coming and going after getting their petrol or diesel. And they're in and out and finished and done in 10 minutes, even if they stopped to fill a coffee, buy a Mars bar and pay for newspaper and then go to the car to still 10 minutes and it's all over. And you're sitting there looking at, trying to figure out what you're going to do for the next 40 minutes because you need longer at the charger. That's where... It's not the charging curve, it's not the cars. The cars are actually pretty good now. We're getting some really decent cars, but the charge network is a big issue. The speed of charge and how long the charger how long you're stuck at a charger is is a huge issue. And for you doing that cork run, how did you like how would you feel? You're standing there, you know you have to get home. The kids are up waiting for you. How's it feel? Um, it was tiring. It, it added, like, it's a long journey as it is. It added, it added an element of just frustration because, like, I had to stop three times to charge yesterday. <laughs> if it was mm. once, like, it, I know, I'm fairly comfortable that if I was in a long-range Tesla yesterday, that would have, I would have maybe stopped once, just even for my own sake, I would have thought, look, I'm going to throw 20 minutes worth mm. of juice into it. But it probably would have got us back. Um, I, you know, I totally accept that a lot of EV owners will charge at home, but it, I charge at home. You can't rely on your house charger when you're down in Cork, 250 kilometers away and 
you need yeah. to charge. So there will always be a point where, whether it's Christmas time or visiting a relative, and you might say, okay, but like that's two days of ownership of a year. I'm willing to put up with that. But the interesting thing is a guy who's far better at maths than me started replying to me on Twitter and he worked it out. And it's very, very much rough maths. His name is uh, Smokey Joe. It's <laughs> a good name. A good name. <laughs> and Smokey Joe basically uh, worked it out that um, if you have to charge twice, and I, did I put 90 by 2 kilowatt hours of energy into that car yesterday? I probably wasn't mm. far off. It. So first of all, what's the cost? Because it's uh, 0.647 cents per kilowatt hour. So multiply that by 91 twice if you were filling up yeah. fully. And and he worked out that that works out at about €2.20 per litre. Whoa. The equivalent of. Or, you know, less than 30 miles mm. per gallon. And you weren't at the, the really um, expensive ones. You know, the, what do you call them ones? That are, other ones that are really fast. I honestly, I honestly they're, they're like 70-something cent a kilowatt, right? Well, ES, ESB are catching up with them. I used the ones in Apple Green and Ballymount a few weeks ago, and uh, they're about 75 Whoa. as well. Um, but you know what? They're they're really fast, yeah. and I get that feedback from a lot of EV drivers as well. They don't mind paying for it if it's really fast, and you're yeah, not queuing. that's the thing. is not queuing in really, really quick. There's two um, Ionity chargers on the N7. They're kind of close to Dublin, around a nace point, and there is a constant queue at them now in the mornings. You can see everybody. It's the last like stop in and out of Dublin. So uh, there's a big queue at them. So they are working and they are fast, but they are expensive. Mm. So look, I don't want to, I'm not anti-EV. I know you're no, not anti-EV, no. but... I give um, talks about EVs. We, it is our, <laughs> it's part of my job to do it. Yeah. But, but I do understand uh, the frust- there's a frustration. There is a, there's a problem with the network. There's a problem. There's little choke points that are happening in EV world that it doesn't feel like anyone's really sorting out in any major fashion. Even the likes of Eamon Ryan, who is now offering a hundred thousand euro for a charger every sixty kilometers along the motorway, is it is actually a drop in the ocean. It'll just be swallowed up by planning permission, and I, I just think it's just going to drag its heels out. And it's dragged out so far that the government have now pushed back from the twenty twenty five cutoff to twenty thirty. They've added five years to the, mm. so they've already done it. You know, it's already happening. By the way, I think Eamon Ryan will be busy uh, on other things because if Michael O'Leary gets his way, I think he will stick a drone in him and probably fly him over to the UK. Because, I don't know, anyone saw the video of Michael O'Leary calling him out there? Uh, I think it went up last night. I only saw it this morning and he is absolutely... Yeah, he is. Yeah, he says, you resign. You've known about this for years. You haven't done anything. Get out of the job. Like, it's just, he is a lovely... Michael O'Leary is a lovely way of putting things. I'm not sure what anyone could do about drones, but I have never heard... Of an, we fly a lot, you know, in and out of different places. And and it seems to be Dublin constantly getting in trouble with drones. So I, I understand his frustrations of saying, this is the problem where you're diverted from Dublin to Shannon. It's the other side of the country. It's, not, you know, it's not like a little diversion. It's a huge diversion. And then and then when you get to Shannon, Eamon Ryan's going to make sure you have to drive back to the EV. <laughs> or a bus. <laughs> God forbid we'd have a train. A diesel, a bus. diesel bus. No, a hybrid diesel. That's what that's yeah, what imagine a train. <laughs> anyway, that was my experience. Um it's only one off, you know, it's a rarity, but it was a long Yeah, it day. does it does happen. What are you driving this right week, Bob? Now, this week I'm driving the opposite of an EV, an RS3, an Audi RS3, um a saloon, the red yes. one. It's a beautiful little solid hardcore sort of car. Not as hardcore maybe as the older RSs were out there, like the RS4s and things, but it still is pretty hardcore and it does make good noises. 
Um, I just, you know, you, you know, when you want the Germans to just have a bit of fun, they've done it over the years, like the Golf GTI and the Golf 4. They were fun cars. Some of the older RS6s were properly fun. Like they were crazy. This feels a little bit restrained from that craziness. It feels a little bit more environmentally friendly, if you know what I mean. It's the opposite of what I wanted to do. I wanted to be mad. I was going to say, do you think that's cause of emissions and just having to tame everything down and get CO2 levels coming out of exhaust yeah, and it's all a uh, little bit NOx emissions and why would you bother kind of, you know, it's, you, you, need, you need to kind of buy some of the older secondhand mad jokes out there because the new ones are a little bit, I, I can't explain, like there's buttons in it that when you press them, it's an optional extra and it hasn't been purchased, like active cruise control and things. You know, you press them and it goes, this this option has not been purchased. The button's there, but it's not working. So it all feels a little bit, it's an RS3, like it should have everything. RS is the top of the food chain with Audi. It's, it's you can't get any higher. It's like the M division of BMW. It, you can't get any better. And it's 94 grand. Uh, and there's stuff on it that isn't, that's still an optional extra. And it still feels a little bit tame in places until you press all the buttons and turn it all on. Then it's a little bit mad, but it's still restrained mad. What are you driving? Uh, I am driving well, as I mentioned, the Mustang Mach-E. So uh, actually, I was meant to be in a Ford Focus this week and the nice people who book us into the cars had, I think I think I was double booked. Um, so they very kindly offered me uh, a Ford Kuga PHEV or the Mustang. And I, I knew I was going to go to Cork. So I was like, do you know what? I'm going to take the EV and going to put it to the test. So uh, I've been called a that. content um, opportunity. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yes. Well, I used that opportunity. Um, and look, I do like the Mustang. It's a very expensive car. It's only €80,000. I haven't seen too many of them on Irish roads. It, you can tell as soon as you sit into it, even by the tablet in the center of the dash, it is a car that is being pitched directly at Tesla in the US. Like there's, you know, that's that's who they're banking on selling that car to. Um, the steering on it is a little bit, it's a little bit twitchy. It's got a quite a heavy, if you, it's not quite like driving a car without power steering, but it, there is quite a weight to the steering, and actually, it's a little bit fatiguing yeah. all the time. Um, I don't have, the, I don't have the puniest of arms, but I'm not, I'm not the biggest of, of arms either. And there's just kind of a, a weird weight to it, and it's a little bit unsettled at times. But I, I do like it. It's quirky. Um, you know, it's unusual looking. Some people are very upset. Obviously, that the Mustang name has been applied to an EV. Um, but it, it is. Look, it's not out on its own by being an expensive electric yeah. car. Skoda Enyaq is nearly sixty thousand euro now. So, well, I think see there. There's the problem. Uh, you've got so many controversies around the Ford Mustang Mach-E because it shouldn't really be called Mustang. I think everybody would, even Ford, might submit to that idea that the a Mustang was a five liter V8. You know, it's the opposite of what the Mustang was. So I think they probably should have called it something different. But also, the interior for me was a little bit. Um, a design by focus group feel, if you know what I mean. It's got everything, massive touchscreen down the center and kind of controls everywhere and buttons all over the place. And it's just a bit busy in there. So I think it's a bit of controversy and the price will put you off. And like the other day, I was in the Ford Ranger Raptor in the UK, which is a supercar and it comes in petrol and diesel and nobody cares about electric. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's the same company, <laughs> but they have this other ul- ulterior version of themselves that has not at all to do with electricity. Um, that was our next uh, yes. topic to discuss. How was the Raptor trip to the UK? Brief. It all in, do you know the way these trips go? I'm sure some people have been on, some people listening have been on these trips, but if you haven't, a lot of these are very harried. So it's sound, we make it look brilliant, don't we, Mark? We make it look fantastic. We take it a little well, bit. Well, <laughs> I mean, 
you know, generally you get there. It, it, they, believe it or not, uh, they are work, particularly for film, uh, people who do film, because um, generally the evening, so you get there, you land, and it's hush, hush, or hurry, hurry, yeah. into a car, off you go, drive. And, you know, there's there's no wasting time. And then generally that evening, there'll be a dinner. But before the dinner, there'll be a briefing on the car. And they'll tell you, well, we made this bit more aerodynamic and we did this to the brakes. And you're going, I've already filmed my video. But for people who work in print journalism, they, it's, they're able to kind of gather all the thoughts and they can finesse their article and their piece. And it's not to say you can't do that in, in film, but you can always add stuff in and voiceovers. But it can be very hurried yeah. and you know there are you know we i'm not saying we don't have a good time there's usually a bear or two involved when the driving is finished and they're generally very nice hotels but you, you know it, it is it is work there's pressure on it to get stuff right the detail right in the video and then the pressure's on to edit myself and bob have healthy competitions in these trips where you know i'll generally come down for dinner and you go upload your video yet have you and <laughs> mine's mine's already done it's 2000 already views done we're up and finished, yeah. <laughs> And and Bob will generally make sure he says it in front of the person who's brought us away. Ah, as well. yeah. So if you're going to hang someone, you might as well hang them all the way out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing for the last three hours? <laughs> um, but my four trip was one day. So we went to the airport really early, flew out over to Gatwick, a long drive in a Ford Transit van down to um, a, a sort of a four. Well, we went to a, a hotel first, a sort of a cafe hotel thing just to pick up the car drove it to a 4 by 4 place drove around that came back to the hotel transit back to Gatwick and fly home that evening home here by 8pm that's how all in one day so that's how I loved I loved those trips like that they're great I'd have still been charging in court <laughs> yeah you see I had no electricity to deal with all day long <laughs> but the Raptor the Ford Ranger Raptor now looks very different um you know, it's got that kind of Bronco front to it, a bigger, wider, brasher Ford logos on the front. It's huge. It's the whole grill now and twin exhaust on the back. Um, still expensive though. It's still 74,000, give or take here for Ford Ranger Raptor petrol. And it's thirsty. Three liter petrol, V6, and it eats fuel. Um, like all V6s do, but this thing is nearly three tons. So it's, it's quite a big lump for York as well, you know. Now there is a diesel one as well because I like if you take out the VAT and stuff like that for businesses, it might make a bit mm. of sense. Um, the only thing is the last Range Raptor, uh, which is there is huge interest in them, and you see quite a few of the last model. Uh, although I actually saw the new model on the M50 uh, last week, and I did a double take. I was like, "Is that the new one?" Because the front, the nose, as you mentioned, yeah, is quite and different. you'll hear it coming. Um, it's quite a big lump. But, um, but one thing I did notice driving the Raptor was that you're kind of like on the school run. People are kind of looking at you, going, <laughs> "Really, really." You know, did did that come up in discussion on the trip, or like, did. how socially acceptable are these vehicles? This is the problem when when you talk to people from Ford, and they're brilliant, and Holly and all the group, they're all the PR people, they're really really good at what to do. But when you talk to them about the kind of anti SUV vibe that's around right now, so if it's big, looks like a four wheel drive, people are kind of anti that being in cities or outside of school runs. Lots of people legitimately need these vehicles to do work and to just use them as a car as well because there's back seats in it. So you can, it can be used as a car. Mm. Um, so the, the, I suppose there is a move towards making it, using less the term SUV and more the term kind of lifestyle vehicle and you know that kind of stuff that's going on. But I think really there is quite a movement towards those massive uh, SUVs. And it comes from the popularity of the Ford F-150 in the U.S., because their crash system, the, the the ratings they use over there in the US is different. They don't crash those 
Ford F-150 is the same as normal cars. And so they're responsible for quite a few collisions over there. Um, and because there's just so many of them, the, the collisions are quite high involving large SUVs. We don't really have the same problem here. We crash them here the same as we do anything else on the NCAP rating. So they get a normal NCAP rating here. Okay. Um, now, by the way, they will not call that uh, any sort of a monster truck no. in the US. <laughs> it's a small um, truck, that is. <laughs> that's... A, a Raptor to them is like, what the hell yeah. is that, man? It's like, that's Google uh, Ford Super um, Duty, and, and you'll see why you think the Raptor is small. <laughs> like the Ford Super Duty, which is made by the same company, so Ford F-150 Super Duty, they call it. It has a double back axle. You can get like a proper full-size four wheels on the back of the vehicle and a full bed truck and crew cab style, the whole thing. You could fit four people across the front of it. They are huge, those cars, when you see them up close. And how did it behave? I mean, the last model behaved pretty well on the on normal roads because I remember driving an, an L. What was the Mitsubishi? The L two hundred was it? It's the tires on that made it just quite turbulent driving along something like the M fifty. There was this constant little, like the tires were just kind of bobbing. Yeah, up no, it doesn't happen. But the the Ford have sorted that with with the Fox suspension, which is what they use underneath, uh, and they also put on really big tires on for whatever reason. The big tires seem to work very very well on the road. You'd never really know, apart from the size of the vehicle, you'd never really know that you're in anything other than a car. Uh, it physically, it's very wide, like it's as wide as a Ford Transit at the front. So you, you do mm. feel it on those kind of back roads in around Brighton there, down the kind of south coast of England. It was very, very small little roads. Uh, so you do feel it. It is very, very wide, but it is still one of the best rides you'll get in any of those SUVs. There's no bounce off the back, that empty bounce feeling. You know, when you're driving, a, if you ever drive a van or, or any kind of pickup truck, there's no weight over the back wheel. So when you're going over a bump, you get this kind of double kick in the back. As the back suspension comes down, you don't feel that in a Range Raptor. And I think that's part of the popularity of them. They just drive like cars. They do drive very well, yeah, for the size of them. Um, we're going to end this week's podcast on some uh, some car news. We'll just general car news um, as we see it. And I suppose we can stay close to home because this week um, uh, the SIMI announced that the car registrations were up 9.9% for mm. February. Um any any prizes to guess in what order of fuel? Uh, what do you imagine that the electricity should be shooting out to the top, shouldn't you? I mean, you think the battery powers would be number one, right? Uh, well, no, there is massive growth. Um, so it's it's still petrol is thirty two percent, diesel is twenty three percent, hybrid is nineteen, uh, electric, which is a full electric BEV, is fourteen and a half percent, and plug in electric hybrid which is not your Toyota's, um, that's an actual, you know, thing that you, you can charge to do whatever, 50 kilometer yeah. range, that's at 7.59. Wow. It's weird how it breaks down really with car registrations. I mean, it, it, we are, overall, we're down on car registrations every single year. We're actually up on last year, but we're actually overall, generally, the change between, say, 2019 to 2023, we're down 15%. Uh, which is sort of supply and demand that's actually going on, total registrations. But um, overall, you'd imagine that the BEVs should be taken off, but it's, it's the lack of supply. We don't, there isn't enough batteries and there isn't enough kind of motor bits to make motors and all. Just can't make them fast enough. Uh, that's very true. And the other part of it is that uh, light commercial vehicles are up um, quite a bit on on, uh, on last year. Uh, that is... Let me get the figure for you, which is always a good sign of just the general yeah, economy. It is actually, yeah, because it, it means generally speaking, the economy is doing very well for itself out there. 
if you have a lot of light commercials, which would be transits and all those all those vans you see on the road every day, which for the last few years, most lads will tell you, you just couldn't get vans. There was no vans to be got. You couldn't buy a mm. brand new van. You couldn't lease a van. Just wasn't any supply. So it should be hopefully going properly back up again. It doesn't actually give a figure on that. It just says sales commercial vehicles um, have shown a strong increase. So I'm not quite sure why they haven't quantified. A strong that. increase. That sounds um, good. <laughs> That's uh, that's a bit of good news. By the way, if you are thinking of buying a car, at the end of this month, the sales figures will be the first quarter. What what that means is the last week in March. If you're thinking about buying a new car, get into your dealership on what? Where are we now? We're on the third of March. Um, so by the thirty first of March, you go in, you go in and kick some tires on the twenty fifth of March, and then you tell them you'll think about it. And I guarantee you, by the 30th, it was the Thursday, the day before the end of month and end of quarter, you will be getting phone calls saying, go on, I'll do a deal for that where you offer me three grand less. Yep. Potentially. Definitely. You can you can definitely negotiate around that time because that's where industry talk here for a second, there's a thing called a washout in case anyone didn't really hear what that is before. So a washout is when, when the dealership pays the commission of the sales staff and that washout sometimes happens every fifth car, or it might happen every fifth trade-in, or every tenth car, or every third car that's new. They have different ways of doing washouts. It's all negotiable. But essentially, if the sales figures are down coming into the first quarter and they want to boost them, they're going to ring everyone who dropped in during that time or that month, and they'll give them whatever the best deal is they can to push up their unit sales uh, because they want to shift enough units to get make sure that they get their commission. So it's all kind of down to commission. Insider secrets yes. right there. We give them away on regular occasions, which is why it all happens here. <laughs> you should subscribe. That's why you should come here and support us. <laughs> Do support both our channels. Um, we're both on YouTube. We're both on social media. You can find us everywhere. I can't believe how much we've managed to fit in in about 45 I know, minutes. It does fly, doesn't it? I'm surprised because I my podcast dream is being able to go out for a walk and listen to a podcast uninterrupted for that length of time that I'm out walking. So 50 minutes to an hour is perfect for me that's where exactly where i am so i was thinking people who nothing to do with driving just just going around the place doing their stuff so we're gonna we're gonna call the podcast driving forces mm. for now but uh you can very much maybe you might stick up poll bob you've got loads of instagram followers maybe stick up a poll on, on your instagram stories and see what see yeah i like. put up two or three suggestions but i'd love your suggestions as well and if you're interested and you want to actually sponsor the podcast we will be opening up that at some point in the near future for for sponsorship as well i'm not sure what we're going to do with it but we'll we're just figuring this out this is episode one and we'll figure out the rest of it as we kind of trundle through the next few weeks thanks very much for listening and we'll talk Bye-bye. to you next week <laughs>